This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. There's so many talent companies out there. You are on your own. You do this for yourself. Can you talk about that and how important building relationships, having, you know, such a a good reputation to be able to do this on your own? You know, I always say you're probably two or three people away from knowing everyone in this industry. And your reputation precedes you, right? So how you carry yourself, right? How you perform, obviously, you know, if you're good at what you do and also how you lead. And then your reputation becomes your business card, right? Because people start speaking well of you and say, wow, he helped me here. Um, He knows this person or he knows how to go out and find talent. He knows how to streamline the hiring process. Um, So all those things kind of come into play. The relationship is everything. Your your ability to be impactful, successful, you know, um, compassionate, helpful. All those attributes really play a role in it. Let me guess, you're an entrepreneur looking for ways to grow your business online. And you've probably tried everything to grow your business, including social media, SEO, even paid ads, only to find out that nothing truly works. So what if I told you that writing a book that goes on to become a bestseller is the magic wand, and that you can do it in as little as 30 days, two weeks, or even over a weekend in some cases, without spending more than 10 minutes a day. Would you be interested? My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm the founder and host of American Real TV, where I interview world-class guests to empower others through the essence of story. But I didn't get here overnight, and my mission certainly doesn't end here. Ever since I was a little boy, it's been my dream to empower others through the craft of writing and storytelling. And throughout my life, I came across several mentors who pushed me toward my passion for writing books and helping others to do the same. There is no greater joy than to be working with aspiring authors and to help them establish true credibility within their industry by writing and publishing their first book, which I'm proud to say have all gone on to become bestsellers. Now, you're seeing this video because I just opened enrollment for my new book writing program, where I promise to take you from page one to published in 90 days or less. I will be personally working with you to overcome the same fears and obstacles that kept me from pursuing my dreams all of those years. Simply click on the link below to see how I could help you become a first-time best-selling author. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Jermaine Williamson. You are the founder, president, and CEO of JLW Consulting, a management consulting firm providing talent acquisition, strategic business advisory, human resources, talent retention, and talent development services. You have nearly 25 years of experience in providing senior and executive level leadership to support Fortune 100, 500, mid-size and startup organizations. You're also recognized as a subject matter expert in the areas of talent acquisition, TA operations management, as well as recruiting process design and implementation. Your company offers a new and innovative approach to address critical business challenges, such as technical recruiting, executive recruiting, talent development, diversity and inclusion, recruiting process compliance, lowering costs per hire or increasing employee referrals. Jermaine, that was a mouthful for me. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Nice introduction. Thank you. Oh, you've done so much. And uh, this, the world you live in with talent acquisition is so fascinating to me because when you step back and think about it, and I'm sure you get probably a kick looking back over the years, but Absolutely. Uh, all the people that you've put into position or help get into position, right. which have helped their career, which has helped their families, which has just made such a difference in the world. And I think it's a wonderful service that you do uh, as, as your business. 
and I can't wait to talk to you about it today. Well, I appreciate that. And yes, it, it is, you know, very nostalgic to look back on it. You know, I always tell people I started in a time before the internet. It makes me feel really old, right? You know, but back then, you know, early, mid-90s, um, we had to do recruiting the old-fashioned way. It was grassroots, right? We had to manually, you know, go and find people, um, you know, run advertisements in the Sunday newspaper, um, hand deliver resumes to hiring managers. I mean, just a different way of the world. You know, obviously now today, everything is instant, right? You can send an email, get feedback, you can do virtual interviews and things of that nature. Um, so when I look back on the career and, and some of the things that you hit on that, that really resonate with me, um, recruiting is a noble profession, right? It's, it's it, it, an opportunity to help someone um, further their career, as you said, but also you, you may come in contact with them in a time where they've just been laid off or, you know, had a health issue and they're trying to get back into the job market or they're trying to expand their skills. So we come in at a time to help be their broker, so to speak, right? Try to connect them with opportunities um, that will enhance and, and further their career goals. Um, so that's something I'm most proud about. That's, that's one of the things that, you know, really um, get me excited. And, and really one of the reasons why I started my own organization was to have that direct one-to-one -one relationship, not only just through an organization I was working for as a leader, but more importantly, being able to do some different things and expand the reach a little bit. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, you know, overwhelmed. When I hear somebody talk about all the things that, that I've done, you know, I don't feel as, you know, as many years as it's been, it's been over 25, but I, I certainly, you know, re reflect on, you know, on those times and really appreciate not only just me, but a lot of people who have worked in support of uh, growing and developing my career. That's that's fascinating. And you talked about, you know, going back to the to the 90s and what it was like back then. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the industry? Like, I, I don't know anything about it. Do you know much about it before you got into it? Like, how long has recruiting been, been around? Well, it, it's been around a very long time. And, and it's ironic that you say that when I was interviewing um, in my senior year of college and, you know, companies were coming to our school. I went to Virginia State University down in Petersburg, Virginia, uh, HBCU. And, you know, I didn't really know of the staffing industry beyond temporary staffing, right? Where you, someone would fill in for a receptionist who was out sick, or, you know, maybe there's some day labor work that they had to come into, you know, um, put up cubicles and things of that nature. This really changed my, my perspective because when the company uh, that I worked for came to the university to interview and they started talking about, you know, technical, you know, engineers and, and those types of things, I'm like, all right, well, what do they do, right? I was a business major, but I, I hadn't expounded my reach beyond that. But when I learned about it, I was like, wow, it really opened my eyes. You know, they were really heavy into the automotive industry out in Michigan, right? Where, you know, Chrysler or GM and all those were. And they were putting, you know, uh, engineers, CAD engineers, designers to work and things of that nature. And when I interviewed and, and got offered the position and obviously accepted, you know, they put me in a division that was focused on information technology. I was like, well, what kind of people would be looking for that? And man, my, you know, my purview was open wide because, you know, I had no idea about COBOL developers or, or mainframe systems or how data was stored and housed and how you had to code and design to pull information, create charts and spreadsheets and reports, all those different things I found was fascinating. And it was a great learning opportunity for me. Um, but the recruiting industry has evolved so much, man, just in regards to the type of talent. You know, as the world changes, so does technology, right? It's probably one of the, if not the fastest growing industry, because, you know, even 15 years ago, we didn't have the threat of really high level cybersecurity, right? Where is talking about money laundering and protecting the United States interests and you know, protecting systems and data and HIPAA and all this, you know, sensitive information that's housed. So it's a whole different world, man. It's really some cool stuff that goes on. And for me, I love to learn. So, you know, it became extremely intriguing to find out, all right, what all goes on? And um, I've been thoroughly impressed with how the, uh, the industry has evolved and my impact and influence and opportunity within it. So it's been, you know, an ultra blessing for me as well. That's great. And, you know, I think about there's, there's so many talent companies out there, uh, right. talent acquisition companies. You are on your own. You do this for yourself, which is pretty amazing in, an, in and of itself. But how does one get to where you got? I, I have to think about, you know, I was in sales and business development my entire career. So right. building relationships, whether you're in sales, whether you're, 
you know, um, in real estate, whatever it is, it's developing relationships. So can you talk about that and how important building relationships, having, you know, such a a good reputation to be able to do this on your own? Because I'm sure it's not easy. No, that that is key. I mean, you know, I always say you're probably two or three people away from knowing everyone in this industry, right? Because when you when you're recruiting, you're talking to candidates, you're obviously talking to hiring managers, and then you're inside an organization. And there's so many movement moving parts, right? People leave organizations, come to organizations, so you know pretty much all the you know top recruiters in the area, and you know who the hiring um, companies are, and then you know who the talent um, that in different segments of the industry, right? I mentioned cybersecurity, and there's database developers and there's program managers. So it's so much moving around and your reputation precedes you, right? So how you carry yourself, right? How you perform, obviously, you know, if you're good at what you do and also how you lead, right? You know, I I was blessed to be an opportunity where I went from an individual contributor to go into operations, to lead large organizations, um, to lead large projects. Um, I also worked in standing up new organizations, um, supporting proposal development recruiting, which is a whole different aspect within the government. Uh, so I got to meet a lot of people and I got to really make an impact, not only just leading organizations, but also working with individuals who were aspiring to be uh, recruiters and or recruiting managers or leadership in talent acquisition. So I was able to you know, just have relationships and kind of build off of that, which um, helped a great deal. And, and then your reputation becomes your business card, right? Because people start speaking well of you and say, wow, he helped me here. Um, he knows this person or he knows how to go out and find talent. He knows how to streamline the hiring process. Um, so all those things kind of come into play. But to your point, the relationship is everything. Your, you know, your ability to be impactful, successful, you know, um, compassionate, helpful, all those attributes really play a role in it because if people feel like, hey, you know, it's integrity and character too, right? If this person's a stand-up individual and they're gonna work hard for you, they're more than likely gonna make sure they refer you into opportunities. And really when I started JLW Consulting, that's what it was. My first opportunity was a referral, right? Someone said, hey, you need help. You know, Jermaine is starting his own thing. He has a wealth of knowledge, talk to him. He could probably do things for you. And that catapulted the organization to where it is today. That's great. So Jermaine, I, when I think about what you do day to day, I just try to put myself in, in your position. I think about almost like a sports team, like, you know, making trades and, um, you know, finding the best talent. We, we need the star pitcher or, or a linebacker. Do you ever see it that way? Do I uh, have that somewhat right? Yeah, you're right on. I mean, it, it's definitely that. You're, you're a general manager, you're a coach, you're player development. Um, you're the equipment manager, right? In a small business, you're, you're wearing 10 different hats, right? My responsibility is to grow and run the business, but also is also to manage the back end of the business, right? Making sure people get paid, making sure expenses are taken care of, making sure there's money in the bank. Um, so you're kind of like the general manager of a team where you're making sure that, okay, and also if I land a big project, who can I go to that's a great recruiter? Or who can I go to that's a re- great recruiting admin that can help facilitate what needs to get done. So to your point, yeah, selecting talent is very key in it, but it's also making sure you manage, you know, the business in its entirety. Because some people just say, oh, I'm only business development and let the back half of the business go. And you run into problems, right? Things like taxes and things like that that you got to make sure are good to go. Um, But yeah, to your point, it's certainly similar. You know, you're a general manager, you're a coach, um, you're, you know, a teammate, you're the point guard, you're the quarterback, you know, pretty much everything when it comes to running your business. I love that. And what we try to do on this podcast is really help people. And I, you know, I think about there's two, there's two sides of people that or two types of people. I think we should try to help today. One is, um, people that are looking for careers and maybe don't know much about how to do this and then employers. Uh, that may not be using a service like yours. So can we talk about both of those? And then I know we have several, several other topics we want to get into, but I think it's really important from the beginning that we kind of set the stage. How do we help those two sides? Absolutely. I think firstly, with the candidate side of it, you know, getting them to understand that there are a couple of important aspects um, that they have control over when, you know, searching for a career, right? And it's making sure you have a thorough yet concise resume. Right. Some people, you know, sometimes put too much information in the resume or they go back too far. If you have 25, 30 years of experience, go 
going back to put your first job out of college or your first job out of high school really isn't necessary, right? You want to put the meat of the information probably the last 10 years, especially if you've been working in the same field for the last 10 years, make that stand out, right? Make sure that that resonates with a recruiter or a hiring manager so they don't have to read too far down into your resume. You know, the resume is a business card. It's the same thing, right? The goal is to get yourself an interview where you can sell those intangible aspects about yourself, right? Hardworking, dependable, um, a leader, led projects, delivered on time, under budget, you know, all those things that are important uh, in running an organization and, and why, you know, um, hiring managers and organizations look for top talent. So making sure that the resume is there, make sure it's updated, make sure it has, you know, right phone number and email address correctly on there. And when I speak of email addresses, make sure the email address is professional, right? Some people miss that, that they may put their their personal email address on there where it talks about their hobbies or, you know, whatever they like to do recreationally. I won't get too much into that. But, you know, you want to make sure that it resonates because ultimately a organization is making an investment in you. And they have to make sure and feel comfortable the investment that they're making is with someone that's of great quality, character, and integrity. So make sure that resume is clean and make sure that you're presentable, you know, and that you can, you know, really communicate your skills and experience effectively um, will help you, you know, get started, you know, as a candidate trying to find an opportunity. And, and do candidates have to pay firms to be represented? Is that how it works? Or is it? No, uh, typically, I would say pretty much all the time, the candidate works with an agency such as myself, and we're paid by the hiring company. Right. So our relationship is with uh, the company to go out and find the top talent and then we negotiate a fee agreement on the back end. But it has nothing to do with the candidate. The candidate is really working with the agency like me as a broker to help them find an the opportunity, but not in the traditional sense where they have to pay me a percentage in order to find them a job. It all comes from right. the hiring company. Great, great. So if someone is, you know, wants to get started, they don't even know where to get started. Is it based right. on industry? Where do they how do they even search? For the yeah, right. so there, there's many industry-specific job boards that are out there. You may have heard of Monster or Career, Build, Career Builder and Indeed and uh, Glassdoor and, and a bunch of other um, job boards that are out there. So putting your resume out there to be visible to a recruiter who's searching for a candidate with your skill with your skill set is the first step, right? Making sure you get that posted, making sure you get up there. And there's also free job boards through like the county and, and things of that nature. And you can search for many different jobs, or zip recruiter, right? There's other um, job boards that they can place their resumes just so they're visible. So when a recruiter is searching, they can use their keywords to find them. Great, excellent, excellent. Okay, and now what about on the employer side? Yeah, so it's, you know, one of the things that um, is important from an employer looking for uh, a candidate um, when they're posting their job boards is making sure that job board is legible, that it really uh, sells what the opportunity is it really gives a description that, you know, can really uh, resonate with the candidate because what happens is if you put either too much information, right, it'll get lost in translation, or if you don't put enough information, uh, a candidate may not be able to decipher what you're looking for and they may pass it over. Also, if you're hiring a, uh, a hiring company working with an agency such as myself, you know, we'll have discussions about that to make sure that what you're looking for is truly out in the market and that you're not, you know, maybe combining um, two descriptions into one opportunity that happens a lot, but also making sure that um, when you do get candidates in play, that you have a sound hiring process, which is what my book talks about. You know, the, the title of my book is Talent War, the Unintended um, Consequences of a Broken Hiring Process, right? So that talks about, okay, you got them in the, in the, the net, how do you bring them to interview and how do you get them to the offer and onboarding stage? So a hiring company has to make sure that they have a streamlined process, they know who the stakeholders are, and that they can move through fluently because you don't want to waste a candidate's time or string them along in a process that takes a couple of months. And you want to just make sure you're efficient if you're seriously about, serious about hiring. Excellent. Now, what about the state of recruiting today, you know, in this pandemic? Yeah. How have things change and I'm sure it's all over the board, but if you could just highlight a few things. 
that would be great. Oh, it, it, it's changed drastically, right? I mean, you go from, you know, even the last quarter of 2019, where things were really starting to ramp up and, you know, companies are hiring and growing, you know, especially with the federal government. You know, I'm here in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, which is DC metro area. So there's a lot of movement and activity that's happening with programs and things of that nature. But, you know, just with companies having to downsize, right? If they're not able to see, you know, patrons or, be able to sell their products or travel to their customers. All of those things have impacted, you know, the economy, which is, you know, caused everything to pretty much slow down. So from a, a hiring perspective, they put everything on freeze, right? They implemented a hiring freeze to say, hey, you know, we can't really move anything forward. We don't know how long this you know, pandemic is going to last. We don't know if we'll ever be able to go out and sell our products and services. We don't know if our customers are in a buying state as well. So it really sent everything into a, a, you know, a shutdown um, pretty much since really the end of February, beginning first couple of weeks in March. Um, you know, and it's slowly starting to open up a little bit, but really for five months, there wasn't any activity. So, you know, agencies and, you know, consulting firms such as myself had to really figure out, okay, where uh, can I go to, you know, find opportunities that may um, be a little bit shielded from what's going on with the you know, pandemic and the economy. And me, I, I turned to more of the high-end technical security clear um, environment, because I know you still have to protect the company's best interests. You still have to protect the information. There still has to be you know, space system programs and things of that nature and sending assets to orbit and all those things that they still need talent for. Um, so I kind of pivoted, you know, I, I did a pivot for the organization uh, to focus on those. And it has worked out pretty well for me. We, we continue to stay busy consistently and um, now have grown to where we're taking on a more, a more opportunity. So it's, it's kind of a combination. Um, but from a hiring manager side, you just have to make sure if there's still opportunity to hire, that again, you get you know, a sound process and get your team to interview and hire because once it opens back up, the talent pool is now going to have many options and you, you won't be the only game in town. Jermaine, let's dive into leadership. I know leadership is something that's very important to you. Absolutely. Um, how does that play into your world and what does that mean? And then we'll, I want to talk about your book as well, but I think okay. it's important first that we set the stage about your position on leadership. Right. Uh, for me, leadership simply means, and not simply, but one of the aspects is transparency, right? Being able to communicate, you know, the, the tough conversations and the hard stuff um, but also being able to lead through, you know, trying times such as this pandemic, right? Letting everyone know what's really going on and, and how it's impacting the organization. And, you know, also leading from the front. You know, oftentimes as humans, you know, it's, it's common for us to kind of shrink behind things to kind of shield ourselves from the reality or maybe just take a different position and hope that things just kind of go away on its own. Um, but as a leader, you can't do that. You know, you have to stand up and kind of deal with it be honest and transparent. You know, people understand that change has to happen in order to adapt and adjust. You know, if that means layoffs, if that means, you know, having to uh, put a hiring freeze on, if that means, you know, can't uh, do bonuses this year or there be no, you know, incentive pay or things of that nature, be transparent. You know, people don't, you know, oftentimes like surprises when it comes to their, their compensation. So if you're upfront and transparent, I think that makes a great leader. And then also, you know, when I say leading from the front, you know, when you have great talent in your organization and you really want to see them excel and you've interviewed them under the expectation that they want to advance in their career, create that opportunity, right? And if you can't, again, be transparent and say, you know what, I thought we were able to, you know, put you on this management track, but right now we can't because of X, Y, and Z. People understand that, they just want to be told the truth, right? And if, you, if you're leading from that position, you know, one, more people will stay in the organization, so you'll have great retention numbers, but more importantly, more people want to be part of your organization. So for me, leadership is all about, you know, the, the intangibles as well as the attributes of, you know, just really being sound and, you know, transparent and um, having great sound ethics in regards to how you lead the organization. Yeah, and I could also see communication being key as, as you were saying all that. that communication is very key. You got to be transparent. You got to be open and honest and understand that, you know, there may be emotion involved with it, but, you know, if you tell people what's expected, then it gives them a chance to digest it as well. Fantastic. Um, your book, Talent War. 
coming out very soon. I believe it'll be out October 21st, you mentioned yes. before we got on. Tell us about, before we talk about the book itself, tell us about the writing process, if you can. I uh, One of the things I love to do is I help people write their first book. So I'm just fascinated to know what it was like for you. How did you make the time? I know you have a family and, you know, writing a book is not easy, but right. it's, a, you know, I think a wonderful thing to add to your resume uh, as well, whatever yeah. field you're in. Absolutely. No, it's, um, it's an eye-opening experience. I'll say that to you um, because when you're writing a book, you're not only speaking from your perspective, you're speaking from a reader's perspective, right? What information they need and what they want to hear in regards to the subject matter that you're talking about. So for me, I naturally speak from my, you know, uh, level of influence and kind of my experience, background, what I think and how I would solve it, right? And you have to give a much broader approach because everyone doesn't think the same, right? Everyone doesn't think the way Jermaine Williamson thinks. So you have to write it in a way where it's conversational, right? It has to be, you know, where you're not lecturing, right? Where you're not telling them, hey, you need to do it this way or else. Um, you have to give them information and then give them sound, you know, reasons and experiences why it has worked for you. So they can go back and reference it and say, oh, wow, I see how that happened. So the book really is a conversation, right? It talks about experiences that I've had in each of the chapters and it gives what it was about and then the solution on how I solved it. And then it goes into further giving them more information on what the industry feels about it. So for me, it's, it's you know, it's a lot of, um, I have a lot of pride with it. But it is a it's an arduous process um, because I'm not a writer, right? This is the first book I've written. You know, I, even in my um, executive roles, yeah, I'm responsible for communications, but they're usually a paragraph or two, right? I never written an 11 chapter book. Um, so working with the editors and the publishers and making sure that how I'm saying it will be received well to the audience is a is a very interesting, dynamic, and um, eye opening process. And I have to say, I have to correct you on one thing. You are now a writer. I am now a writer. I am now an author. No doubt about it. it That's is awesome. Now. Absolutely. Congratulations. So Thank who's you. the target audience? So the, the audience is really twofold. It's for hiring managers, right, that are looking at, okay, why am I having challenges with staffing, you know, my open positions, right? There's a lot of talent in the market, and I, I don't understand why that's happening. And it's also from a candidate perspective, because it's going to tell them how um, you know, a company having a broken pro uh, hiring process can impact their ability to get an interview, to get feedback from an interview, to get an offer, uh, to move on to onboarding and things of that nature. So it really outlines for both aspects. So the reader will look at it and say, hey, here are some things I can implement to streamline my process and probably, you know, maybe I should call Jermaine and help and have him help us figure out where our challenges are and redesign this whole hiring process. And then from a candidate to say, oh, that's what happened. That's why I didn't hear back from the hiring manager. That's why I never got an offer or I couldn't get to a point where they could bring me on board. So the book really, you know, looks at both aspects and gives, you know, real, real life information on how uh, a broken hiring process can impact both a candidate and an organization. What was your favorite part about writing the book? Reflecting. Right. It, it gave me a chance to go back to the beginning. Um, it gave me a chance to relive some great success stories that I've had in my career. Uh, it gave me a chance to really think about some of the people that I've worked with that I've impacted, who have impacted me. Um, and some of the real tough hiring challenges that we've been in. You know, the book talks about big projects that we were um, selected to staff, you know, 60, 100 people. Um, within a very short window, right, 100 days, you know, 90 days. And it really talks about having to uh, think out and design a process that gets accountability from every stakeholder in the organization, right, from the CEO on down to say, hey, if we do this against this time frame, I need everyone to own their role in this process. And it really just streamlines and shows you that if everyone's on the same sheet of music, you could really have some fantastic hiring results. So for me, it was really about reflecting. And I, you know, some of this stuff, you kind of get lost in your career a little bit in, in regards to what you're currently doing. And you don't really think about um, some of the big impact that you've had on organizations. And I've worked with some really good organizations and it really helped them grow and, and change the culture on hiring. 
And that the book has really helped me reflect and really, um, one, put it into a format where it could reach a lot of people to understand um, how you can go about it. So it was very therapeutic for me, even though I was still running the business and you know, we're dealing with a pandemic. Um, it slowed down, you know, the pandemic slowed things down for me a little bit where I can find time daily uh, to write for an hour or two. Um, and that really helped me as I went through and I would just kind of go off and, you know, just write. And I used this program, I forget the name of it, but it allows you to do uh, talk to type, right? So I can talk out my chapters and it converted into a PDF, which was phenomenal, right? Even though it came through a little choppy sometimes, it allowed me to get more content out. So it was a very therapeutic process for me. I really enjoyed it. That is awesome. Big congratulations to you. Thank you, you sir. Have, I appreciate we'll it. drop a link in the show notes as well so people could order that book, Talent War. I love the name. I love the brand and uh, can't wait for that to come out for you. So something else I know that's important to you is uh, talking about diversity. And if you could um, give us some um, uh, substance on that, why that's important to you and how it plays into your world. Absolutely. You know, not just so much in these times, right? The country is really going through a shift, right? A shift in understanding, a shift on consciousness, uh, a shift on, you know, doing the right thing. Um, but, you know, sometimes people equate diversity with only, you know, ethnicity, race, gender. And yes, that's a part of it. But there's a lot of different things that go into diversity. And the book kind of outlines that it's also, you know, diversity of thought, right? It's, you know, people from different industries. You know, I usually talk to um, hiring managers who are looking for trainers, asking them to consider teachers, right? Because teachers are the ultimate trainers, right? They have deliverable responsibility. They're, you know, content deliverers and things of that nature. And they never really think about that. They're like, wow, you know what? I never really put two, two and two together. So when I speak of diversity, it's, it's really holistically, right? It's also, you know, geographics. It's also, you know, someone who's working in manufacturing but you also need someone that's in process design. Well, in manufacturing, it's all a process, right? It could be Six Sigma. It could be um, if you're producing widgets. You have to go through different streams. There's a QA component. Same thing that goes through with leading a program or being in logistics and things of that nature. So really getting people to open the aperture on what diversity really is. And obviously, it's also about ethnicity and gender and you know, everything else. But not just stop there because you want to get both. You know, even when I talk to, and when I was in corporate, you know, I would make sure that we would go to different schools. We would go to the HBCUs and we would go to, you know, uh, the Association of Black Engineers to find talent, right? And we would find women organizations to try to engage and make sure that we gave them an opportunity to see our open positions. Those things are extremely important. And what it does is it builds a culture of inclusion. And you, you want that in your organization because that, that'll carry a legacy that will continue to flourish as time goes on. Oh, I love that. That That's just so awesome. Um, and it's such an important topic important. Yeah, in, in general. You're right. Not, not only today, but just overall. And, Absolutely. And if right. you're not having the conversation, then um, it just gives more reason for divide. So it's, it's again, about communication. And, and some, some people don't even understand that they're doing anything wrong. It's not intentional, right? Sure. You know, sometimes it's just lack of knowledge, right? And they're like, oh, wow, I didn't even think about it that way because they never had to. Um, so now it's a situation where the conversation kind of leads to everyone um, opening their mind to saying, you know what? Yes, let's make sure we do that. Or yes, let's, you know, put these parameters in place. Let's put this process in place. And it really, really helps. I can't wait to read that part of your book as well. It sounds like you'll give it's us really, It's really a, a good part. Of course, I'm biased, but <laughs> it's certainly a lot of information that can really help organizations and candidates uh, look at the fact that diversity plays a major role in establishing the culture, moving the organization forward, and also having a social presence, right? Not only just with a talent base, but also with investors and things of that nature. So it's a lot that goes into it. Awesome. Jermaine, I'd love to know a little bit about your backstory. Uh, your upbringing. Uh, I know you're from, are you from the Virginia area originally? No, so I'm from New Jersey, northern New Jersey, a town called Elizabeth, very small town, Elizabeth, New Jersey, right next to North Airport, if you're familiar. So I, I grew up there, went to elementary, middle school, and high school there. Still have family there, visit often. Most of my family is actually there, brothers and sisters and, and uh, close relatives. 
And, um, you know, for me, um, you know, my upbringing was, you know, grew up in an urban area. You know, we didn't bus to school or anything. We walked to the neighborhood schools. They were close enough, walked to high school, um, played sports, you know, I played basketball in, in my high school days. And, you know, although I'm short, I'm only, you know, about 5'8", uh, I, I, I was pretty good. You know, I had a pretty good, and I'm a left-hander, so I Ooh. had a pretty good jump shot. Um, but, you know, more importantly for me, I got to uh, really experience life um, through very realistic eyes. You know, every day when you're living in the city, right, there's so much going on, right? There's, you know, a, a lot of movement, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of um, opportunity to gain knowledge just by, you know, looking around. Um, and for me, um, I always knew that, hey, you know, I think this is um, giving me kind of a, a master's degree on life, right? Because I got to see every aspect of life every day um, through, you know, what to do and what not to do. You know, when I was growing up in the, you know, late 80s, you know, or mid to late 80s, early 90s, you know, that's when it was a lot of, you know, crime and, um, you know, drugs and all kinds of stuff that was going on in every city around the country. Um, but understanding how to navigate and how to be present and how to uh, keep yourself on the track, you know, mentally more than anything else, uh, was something that I took extremely seriously. Um, so I used to really um, just focusing on, you know, playing sports and keeping myself out of all the, you know, distractions and, you know, some of the things that were going around that I could have been involved in and really focused on, okay, what the next 10, 15, 20 years are going to look like for me in my life. And um, that really helped me stay focused and grounded and with a lot of people around me that made sure I did as well. A lot of relatives and, you know, brothers and sisters and uncles and cousins and, you know, mom and everyone else just making sure um, that I, you know, focused in on what my goals were and gave me a lot of information and a lot of encouragement and support uh, to build the life um, that I'm currently building now. So um, I always say Elizabeth, New Jersey was the foundation um, that really catapulted you know, me mentally more than anything else. I always felt uh, that I can go anywhere and do anything. The confidence that the city and all my friends and family gave me um, was extremely important because I never felt um, intimidated by anything. I felt I could achieve anything I want. So that foundation was huge and still is huge for me today. I still have friends and I still interact with a lot of people and still get encouragement and support and a lot of love from the city. Um, so I'm, I'm extremely proud of where I grew up. Jermaine, how about mentors? I know you mentioned a lot of family uh, that was around you, but were there any other mentors that you looked up to? Yeah, I had several, actually. You know, in, in my family, my cousin, uh, Kevin Williamson, was a great mentor uh, to me as well. You know, I didn't grow up with my dad, you know, in the household and, you know, and throughout most of my life. And he, you know, was a cousin who was a bit older, you know, about 10 years um, older than I am. Uh, lived in Long Island, New York, came to uh, our city, to Elizabeth, to go to college uh, in Union at Keene College. I don't know if you know of Keene. Sure. Um, but he was definitely a, an impact and influence. Um, more importantly, through a visual example of how he carried himself, um, you know, he also was a business major, started his own agency of uh, Allstate in uh, Brooklyn, New York, that is still going today, you know, some nearly 30 years later. And um, just the work ethic that he showed and, you know, the real one-on-one -on -one conversations he and I had about doing things the right way. Uh, if you commit to doing something, making sure that you finish it. Um, you know, keep your word at all times. You know, carry yourself like a gentleman. Dress the part. You know, all those little nuggets um, he and I had discussions about and really catapulted me into even going away to college. You know, I, I, I had never really been out of the city, been out of the area. And he was like, no, you got to go to school. You got to see life, you know, through a different environment. And, you know, I was like, no, I, I want to stay home, right? It's comfortable, right? I don't want to go way to Virginia. Um, but he was really instrumental in others as well. Some of his friends and, and other relatives of mine, cousins, um, were extremely instrumental in making sure that I um, faced the fear of being away, but also gave me the confidence to go and pursue. So Kevin was a a very good mentor along with a bunch of other folks. Just awesome. Okay. Um, business advisory for startups. That's <laughs> something else you do. Yeah. And, which is, uh, I mean, it's, it, I can't wait to talk about this be, because uh, I have, a, you know, a small business that's part of right. my podcast. So it's, it's somewhat of a startup. Yeah. How do you approach this? 
Um, it, it's really, you know, the great thing or the opportunity that I got is to really um, learn through a lot of great success and some failures, right? And starting my own business. Um, so I've, you know, been able to use some of that knowledge. And this is not my first business, JLW. I actually had a company a few years ago, back in 2008, similar name, but it got hit with the financial markets really went down and I had to fold it up and go back into corporate. Um, but one of the things that I always looked at is, you know, Oftentimes people start business because they have the experience to start the business. They don't have the knowledge about running the business. And I learned how to run a business before having the knowledge of running a business. So I use that information to help, you know, startups that may, you know, need to even, you know, get the LLC established. You know, some things like, well, how do I even start a business? I have this product, I have this service. How do I go about it? How do I get business insurance? How do I get a website? Um, you know, all those things that, you know, people don't think about you need, they just have the idea. So what I do in regards to strategic, you know, advisory services is to help them get going with that. And then also a big piece of the business with strategic advisory services is around recruiting. Some startups and mid-sized companies, especially in this area that I'm in with the, the government um, nearby, they win projects, you know, technical projects, but they don't have any recruiting infrastructure. Hmm. Right. So they don't, they've never thought to hire a recruiting team or they can't afford to hire one at the time. They want to work. They need to fulfill the orders and they'll bring on someone like me to stand up a virtual recruiting organization. Well, I'll come in as the account manager. I'll bring on a team of recruiters and I'll also bring in an admin to help facilitate and kind of um, design, develop and implement a hiring process for them. Work with their leadership to make sure we have all accountability measures and then begin the onboarding process. So I do both and we've had projects, pretty large ones where we've gone and pretty much became an outsourced uh, recruiting organization for companies. So that's a service that we offer that's been going extremely well. Man, just great stuff. I mean, you're, you're doing so many good things for this world, Jermaine, it's, uh, it's amazing. One of the things that caught my attention just reading your bio and, and all your accomplishments is um, your expertise in employee referral programs. I'd like to know a little bit more about that so we could pass that along to people. If employers are not doing this, why is it successful? And why the employee should even think about uh, bringing someone on that might help the company? Uh, seems like everyone wins, but it'd be great to hear. Yeah, that's a great point. But again, it goes back to an organization. You know, oftentimes people start their businesses through, you know, kind of um, their own network referral program, right? Where it's, you know, someone they work with or a relative or you know someone they went to college with and things of that nature but oftentimes nobody looks at it when you start hiring people into the organization and you're hiring them based off of their skills experience their beliefs and their knowledge base they also become internal recruiters for your organization once they become an employee they understand how the organization works right they understand the culture they understand the mission vision and values or at least they should if they're communicated effectively and they can go back and have that conversation on your behalf with the talent base, with companies that they work with, with colleagues that they've had and say, hey, you know, I just landed over at JLW and man, they do this, this and that. They have, you know, potluck on Fridays. They have, you know, team building activities. They have, you know, a great bonus and 401k matching. They become your salespeople. So you should always try to figure out how can I, can I engage and include my current talent force to help me attract new talent. It's, you know, for me, it's a no brainer, but a lot of people don't look at it that way because oftentimes either they're too busy or they say, well, I just rather go the traditional route. I rather just, you know, go in, you know, put a posting up and hope that I get the right, right talent. Well, you already have the talent assembled, help them help you become more effective as a hiring uh, company of choice. So that's some of the things that I go into organization and every organization I've been with has had a struggling employee referral program. And it's basically just looking at, okay, what are, some of the things that you are doing to make the employees feel they should refer someone to the organization. You know, do they really like it here? You know, is, is this a place that they want to continue working for the next five, 10, 15 years? And do they feel comfortable referring their friends, relatives, and colleagues to the organization? Then what's the incentive, right? You know, oftentimes people will move by money, right? So you want to say, hey, if you help me, I'll give you a bonus if we hire someone you refer to the organization. And that goes a long way because people look at it like, okay, if I can make an investment of, you know, talking to my friends and colleagues and former colleagues and relatives about the organization, and they're going to compensate me if they hire this individual, it's a win-win on both sides. 
so it all works out. So, you know, really looking at your employee, your employees and really finding a champion, someone who's been with the organization, someone who's in leadership, the CEO, you know, someone who's leading a big program, they become the champion for your employee referral program and it resonates throughout the organization and then obviously out into the talent community. Awesome. What would be uh, the range of the bonus for, for an employee referral program on average? Uh, I've, yeah, it, it ranges. I've seen anything from $1,000 to $10,000 to $15,000, depending on high, how hard the position is to fill or how high of a level of candidate it needs to be, years of experience, uh, clearance level, if we're talking about the cleared community. Um, so it can, it can really, I mean, I've seen referral uh, programs where they've given away, you know, stock or where they've given, um, you know, vacations as a bonus. I mean, all kinds of stuff, you know, they get creative to attract people to say, hey, you know, if I can get into this, I can get a summer vacation out of it. Why not? So, yeah, there, there's many creative ways you can design a program as long as it fits into, you know, parameters from a tax perspective. you got to communicate that on what's going to happen, the bonus amount. But, man, I've seen, I've seen some very creative and they work. They really do. That's great. Jermaine, this has been so um, mind opening for me. I learned a lot today. I know the listeners and viewers will learn a lot from you today. But more than anything, what I want people to know is that conversations like this is just how things happen. Like now that you and I have had this conversation, we have a relationship I could turn to you if I see opportunities for you or for people that I know. So we want people to do this, you know, you, and, and reach out to Jermaine, folks. Uh, if you have an opportunity, uh, obviously you are a class act. Uh, I love your, your presentation, everything about you. And, um, but before I let you go, just a few last questions that I like to ask every guest. Uh, first off, if you were to take out your cell phone right now and call the 20-year-old Jermaine, what advice would you give them? Oh, man. Um, be patient, right? You know, kind of let life develop you opposed to you pressing so hard to develop a life. And I say that to say that, you know, there's oftentimes where I put so much pressure on myself to get to point Z where I didn't think about all the letters in between. And you got to let things kind of evolve a little bit right? Everything is not in your control. Things are going to happen. Life is going to happen to you. Um, but if you, you know, just stay the course, you know, stay strong on your morals and ethics and keep working hard, right? And understand that although it may not work today, it may work tomorrow. And you only need one person to believe in you, one. Wow. And that's going to catapult it to uh, 10, 100, 1,000, or how, as far as you can go. So my advice would be to just continue to focus in on today, right? You know, maybe look at a week out opposed to five years out, right? Because five years is a long time and so much can happen within five years. You know, you can control seven days and you can control maybe a month. So really work at your goals on the short term more than a long term and kind of build up to it because what will happen is over time, you'll create your long-term strategy just through your short-term approach. So that would be the advice I would give my 20-year-old self, although, I followed a lot of it because I kind of conditioned myself, you know, at a younger age to kind of take it day by day. But there were times where I tried to rush it a little bit and I would probably tell me, Hey, slow down a little bit, you know, during those times. Powerful, powerful. And Jermaine, last question before I let you go, I ask every guest at the end of the day, you have a lot of life to live, a lot of things left to do, but what do you want your legacy to be? What mark do you want to leave on this earth? Wow. Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, I often think about my impact, right? Have I helped enough people help enough people, right? You know, and I say that not only, you know, through knowledge transfer, but also was, you know, was I present in times where people that I love needed me or did I, you know, lend advice when I should have or did I stay out of the way when maybe I should have? So, you know, for me, it's about the impact, right? It's about being compassionate. It's about of making sure that you, you don't take any of this for granted, right? You know, everything that we're dealing with and every great thing that happens and even the challenging things are all blessings. And if you really look at your life, you know, through a, a lens of really just being humble, 
and understanding that, you know, no one is better than anyone else. Oftentimes people just have different opportunities. And if you can be there to help someone, you know, bridge a gap between where they are and where they're trying to be, that's what it's about. So for me, the impact is about, you know, have I helped enough people and will I help my, my children and my family and, you know, my community and relatives get where they're trying to go um, without being a burden, but also without enabling. Um, and that's always a delicate line. So for me, it's, it's kind of a holistic approach of, you know, being a go-to person and also being someone who's compassionate, but also someone who's being realistic. You know, I, I'm tough on people who um, complain um, because, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, when you open your eyes, that's the blessing. What you do with that time between is up to you. Um, so I, I also try to be empathetic, but I'm also realistic. Let's get to it. So, you know, I, I think I have a, a, a you know, kind of a myriad of things that I want to leave an impact. Philanthropy is very important to me. You know, I want to help, you know, uh, kids go to college. I want to help them be able to make a transition into out of academia, into the workforce. So there's a lot of different things I want to you know, do. And I have some time, hopefully, um, to do those things. But I'm, I'm trying to build through the organization, through the book, um, to create means to be able to help do some things that will require some financial investment. Jermaine Williamson, welcome to the American Real family. Thank you you dropped so much gold on us today, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of that. Congratulations on Talent War. Uh, cannot wait for that book to come out. Uh, I want to call you a friend because we've had such a great conversation. Absolutely. We will stay no in doubt. touch. Once we make the connection, that's when the friendship building starts, sir. So that's I appreciate right. you so much and the opportunity you've given me to come and share some thoughts and, and knowledge and experience. So absolutely. Friend is a good title to start with. It's my pleasure, and we'll get this episode out real soon. Good deal. Thanks so much, Roger. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.